Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. We're going to share in communion in a little bit, so if you're watching live stream, you may want to grab some elements for that. If you made it into this room without getting the elements, um, there are tables right outside each door where you could pick up some. So I would encourage you to, uh, to do that. Now, we have uh, been on a journey... Uh, through the greatest sermon ever preached, not mine, um, I, no, not mine, uh, but Jesus. And uh, the gospel writer Matthew recorded this in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And we've been walking through that for several months now, and we're going to continue till we get to the end. And kind of in the middle, we came to Jesus teaching on prayer. And it's almost like he was teaching, 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 and he just kind of paused and stepped into teaching his disciples and those who were following him on prayer. And so what we've done is we've kind of paused and are, are taking this prayer that, that is known, you know, kind of far and wide as the Lord's Prayer. We've been looking at it more as the disciples' prayer because Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. It's a model prayer, if you would. And we've been kind of learning from it phrase by phrase. And so when we started, we began looking at, you know, the, the, this idea. And so last week we looked at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, and we, we said we were going together, together pray this prayer, the part of the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I hope you've been doing that. I've been doing it, and I've tried to share with you what the Lord does in me um, as I've done that. And so uh, today I want to do that. Uh, one of the things that I have continued to do is I continue to do reading in other parts of Scripture, and I was reading uh, over in Luke chapter 12, this week, and I came across a, a verse that, when coupled with my mind being saturated with thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, I was struck by something. In, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus does some teaching. Now, Jesus did a lot of teaching on, on what it's going to be like when he comes back. He came the first time. He you know, died on the cross, he was buried, he was resurrected from the dead, and he ascended uh, to, to heaven with God his Father, and the Bible tells us he's coming back. And when he does, he's going to put all creation right, and those of us who have trusted him will rule and reign with him forever. But he, Jesus describes on, on numerous occasions what it's going to be like when he comes back. And this is one of those moments in Luke chapter 12, verse 37, when he's describing what that looks like. And Jesus often, as he does, uses kind of common language uh, that everyday people would understand to paint a picture. And this is one of those pictures that Jesus paints about his coming. Luke chapter 12, verse 37 says this, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Those servants who are awake and attentive and know what's going on and are looking. Finds them awake when he comes. Jesus says, truly, I say to you, he, being the master, will dress himself for service. And have them, the servants, have them recline at table. And he, the master, the king, will come and serve them. Now, I hope... Your heart and mine can get captured by that. This is in the context of Jesus teaching on the second coming. And Jesus is saying in that glorious moment, the Bible tells us the sky is going to split. Millions of angels will descend from the sky with Jesus. Lightning will have flashed. 
completely around the globe simultaneously, east to west. The King of kings and Lord of lords will descend to this earth. And in verse 37, Jesus says that some point in that coming, he is going to discard his royal heavenly robes and he's going to pick up the clothing of a servant. He's going to take up a servant's towel and he's going to invite those who have trusted him on this earth and followed him and given their lives to him. He's going to invite them to this great feast. That's all throughout scripture. It talks about the feast. He's going to invite them to sit down and Jesus is going to serve us. Why wouldn't anybody want that king to come? Why wouldn't anybody want to live in that kind of kingdom? And Jesus invites us to pray that prayer. That kingdom, that Luke 20, 12, 37, that kingdom, oh Jesus, let it come. I want to live in that kingdom now. Thy kingdom come. Thy, thy will be done. Jesus wants his people to pray that. Now, last week, if you weren't here, you may want to go online and watch it. Our drama team did such a phenomenal job of helping us visualize how difficult at times um, other people's praying can be for us to connect with God. Sometimes it's just, you know, it gets a little goofy, um, prayer can, in group settings. And I, I remembered a story that I had read about a little boy who had gone to a new church for the very first time with his mom. And on this Sunday, as the, the pastor stood in prayer, one of the things the pra- pastor prayed, he said, Father, remind us that we are but dust. And the little boy caught onto that phrase, and he grabbed his mom's jacket, and he shook, and he looked up at his mom and said, Mom, what is butt dust? Some of you will get it later. Sometimes prayer can be confusing. Sometimes it can be hard to maybe understand, you know, what are we doing when we're talking to God? Does, you know, does, does, do the prayers we pray... Do, do, do things really change? This is just the part of the tension that we have to walk through when we talk about uh, prayer. And yet we realize there's, that prayer is powerful. It, 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 it's deeply powerful. Now, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know, we've looked at the first couple of stanzas of, of this prayer. And we started by looking deeply into what it meant to pray our Father, that the foundation of all prayer needs to be relational, that we see God as our Father, intimate, close, near to us. And we talked about some of the problems in prayer that solves when we come to see that our Father, who loves us, who wants to know us intimately, who wants us to cry, Abba, Father, know us that way, that he, and, and that he's real near, that in the heavens is as close as the air we breathe, that he, he wants us to know him that way so we will, we will ask and that we'll want his name to be hallowed because we recognize how holy and beautiful and wonderful he is beyond compare. And then last week as we prayed, 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As we pray that prayer. And so today we're leaving those first petitions. The first three petitions in that prayer really are about God. Um, they, They focus on God. Now we're shifting to where Jesus is telling us that we need to pray petitionary prayer. Prayers for things that are on our hearts. And so it, he'll, he'll instruct us to pray, God give us, God forgive us, God lead us, God deliver us. We're, we're going to look at each of those. But today, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, here's what I want us to focus on, is this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Now, for just a moment, I want to get a little greeky geeky with you, okay? I know I'm being geeky here. Uh, but I want us to look at th- this, this one word that is used here. It's epiousios. Say it with me, epiousios. Epiousios. There you go, epiousios. You're, you're, you're a Greek, you know, you're fluent now. And th- that, that phrase has to do with the translation of daily. Our daily bread. God, give us this day what we need daily. Now, for, for years, that word had been kind of used in the church in an ethereal way, just kind of a, 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 a way that didn't have anything to do with kind of practical living. But in 1914, uh, a scholar who was, was doing some digging came across in uh, the, the original Greek language a shopping list. And on that shopping list was this word. And it meant bread today, fresh bread I, I, I got to go for fresh bread and milk and eggs. And, you know, eggs are really expensive. I don't know if they were that expensive back then. But, you know, the, uh, this shopping list. And on it was this fresh bread. That's what this, what this meant. And so we come to understand that this was really about giving us what we need this day. Prayer is very real like that. And so Jesus comes and he says, he says, Joe, he names you. Pray for that which you need today. Pray earnestly and honestly. But friends, if, well, let me just say this. When I have been praying this week, starting in this part of the prayer, there was a tension that got created because I had to, I had to pray it realistically. And this created or, or displayed kind of a, a massive problem with me praying, give, give us, give me this day, my daily bread. And here's the massive problem. At my house, my refrigerator is full. We have at least three loaves of bread I know about. I don't know if Kathy's holding out on me, but I I know we have at least three loaves of bread. We have two different kinds of bread, and then we have one in the freezer. You know, our emergency backup bread, in case something were to happen to the other bread. And, and, And so... I look in my refrigerator, and it's full. I look in our freezer, and it's full. So how do someone like me, how does someone like me, and I imagine someone like you, pray this prayer earnestly and sincerely and deeply, thoughtfully, when when we have so much? And we have to admit that there are people all around the world like us who You know, their bellies are filled and their fridges are filled who have never prayed this prayer. And yet there are others, millions of people around this world who are praying this prayer every day. 
and starving to death. How do we wrap our minds around this without just kind of, you know, playing games with God? How do we pray into this earnestly? How do we, how do we dive into this? And so I want us to think a little bit about what this looks like because none of us want to play games. We want to, we want to do life that's real. We, we, want, we want to engage with God at, at, at that level. And God wants us to engage with him that way. Now, some of you may be here today, and maybe you've been in a position before, or maybe you're there right now, where the knowledge of where your next meal is coming from is not clear. You know, there there are kids that go to school every day at Oak Brook Elementary School where we partner, other schools all around our nation, who are not sure where their next meal is coming from except maybe the school. And there are others of us who we have this incredible uh, abundance. And, and we have to be honest, most of us, there have been very few times, maybe, maybe where we prayed about our meal or over our meal, where we were concerned about where the next one was coming from. We knew. You know what our, most of us, our biggest problem is with thinking about our next meal? Where are we going to get it from this time? I mean, we, we struggle with thinking about, because there's such abundance, what do I want now? And some of us are bored with it, because we, we just don't know what we want today, you know? Because, because there's such a, a great a, abundance. So what's the point? Well, here's part of the point of this prayer that I hope your heart can wrap around today. And it's this. Prayer changes the world mostly by shaping who we become. There is an out there component, but there is also a big in here component. See, this prayer that Jesus is teaching us is, yes, about changing the world, but it's about shaping us, changing our world. Some of you are familiar with a passage 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it gets pulled out a lot around the National Day of Prayer or when there's a great catastrophe in our nation and we're, you know, we're, the nation starts turning back to God or something. And it, it says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, um, I will hear from heaven, God says. God says, I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God says... I'm going to do a work. I'm going to transform them. And I, and I hope you notice how this starts. This transformation in a, a nation begins with the humble, repentant, God-face-seeking prayer of people. That's where it begins. This all happens. It's all put in motion because of that kind of praying. As so many of us around here uh, have been uh, taught by Dr. Henry Blackaby through an amazing study called Experiencing God. If you've never gone through it, I highly recommend it. But in it, Dr. Blackaby teaches us that God speaks. God literally speaks to people. And he does it by the Holy Spirit. And he does it through prayer and through the Bible and through our circumstances and through the church, the people of God. 
So when we come to something like 2 Chronicles 7.14, what we have to begin to recognize, and we said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Prayer transforms the prayer, the one doing the praying, but then when that person gets transformed through prayer, God releases them with power, in power. That's part of how God will effectively change a nation is releasing his people who have prayed that repentant, God-seeking, humble prayer. He'll release them. The power of God gets released that way and healing comes. James 5.16 tells us that there is prayer from righteous people, not people who are, you know, just goody-goody. These are people who have been made right with God. That's what makes you righteous. That the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. See, that this prayer that's prayed earnestly and sincerely and thoughtfully, when it's done, when we pray that, give us this day prayer that way, Jesus changes us. Give us this day, Jesus, our daily bread. Now, in the moments that we have left, I want to give you three things that praying this prayer, this part of the prayer, can do even if you have a full belly and a full fridge it can still impact your life and and i want to kind of answer that question well if those things are true if i got a full belly and a full fridge how does how does this prayer make sense in my life god give me this day my my daily bread god give us this day our daily bread well here's the first thing that i want you to be captured by in this prayer jesus wants to ground us in the present in the here and now. That's why he says, give us this day. This, this day. See, Jesus wants to, us to break out of the fact that so many of us are stuck in the past. That we're stuck living in our shame, guilt-ridden past because of sin that we committed back there. Because of dumb things that we did back there. He's wanting to move us into the present through prayer. That's one of the things that this prayer pray, teaches us is to, to pray in the present. The, the, the emphasis is right now in, in this day, putting aside all of that mess from the past, the debris from, that we've left behind in our trail of our lives, and to stand in confidence before a God who forgives and seek Him in prayer. And it's also putting aside worry for the future that you may have fear about. The, the anxiety-ridden life that you may be living and boldly standing in the moment knowing that the God of all creation is with you and for you. And he calls you to pray prayers for this day in the here and now. Jesus is inviting us to do that. And it, all of that is leading so that we will realize that it, for God, it's about relationship. He wants to bless you, and he wants to do it through knowing you and you knowing him. That's why he tells us to pray the prayer for this day. You know why he does it that way? Because if he did it a different way, and he gave you all your needs, if you just went to him and said, uh, God, it's Joe, and uh, could you meet all my needs for 2023, please? And if God said, sure, no problem, you know what Joe might do? Way to go, God. I'll see you in 2024. 
Oh, never mind, God. Why don't you just let it ride and take care of 2025 and 2026? Just run my tab, God. That's how, that's how we'd respond. We just say, you know, let it ride. But God wants you to know him deeply and intimately and personally and daily. And he wants to know you that way. Some of you will recall a verse that Jesus said in John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides, whoever remains in me and I in him, that person, that life, that will be the one that bears much fruit. Because apart from me, apart from me daily, you really can't accomplish anything. You can do nothing. So when we pray, give us our daily bread, we're connecting ourselves to God in the present, in the here and now. And we're saying, God, I know I need to feel your touch. God, I need, I, I, I need to, to see your face. God, I need to, to, to hear your voice. God, I need your provision in my life this day. Not, not tomorrow, but God, right now. And again, let's just be honest here this morning. Some of us, have been trying to ride a spiritual wave that crashed on the shore decades ago. We just keep pointing back to that spiritual moment I had when I was in college, trying to reduplicate that thing. And God, God has fresh bread for you today, fresh experiences with him, and it's only possible if you choose to enjoy him this day. Receive that fresh bread of this day. Joy, enjoy his presence. Not, not God give us what's next year. God, right now, I want to connect with you because I love your voice. I love your touch. I want to be known by you and I want to know you. Now, I know what some of you critical thinkers are thinking. Well, does that mean we're not supposed to plan? No, it doesn't mean that you're not supposed to plan. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to think about what you, you know, need in your refrigerator. In fact, some of you, are, I know, are tired of me quoting this guy. But if you find somebody who is brighter about making disciples than Dr. Dallas Willard, I'll quote them more. Dr. Willard says this about that question. He says, now to make it clear about the teaching, this teaching, and this part of the prayer, he's writing about this part of the prayer, it is quite all right, as earlier noted, to have things now that we intend to use tomorrow and to work or even pray in a sensible way for them. What hinders or shuts down kingdom living is not having of such provision, but rather trusting in them for future security. We have no real security for the future in them, but only in the God who is present in each day. See, it's the provision that you have and the planning that you did is not evil until you start putting your trust in that instead of the God who gave it to trust Him with this. So, Give us this day our daily bread because I'm going to trust you, God. Second thing that I can see Jesus revealing uh, to us in this give us this day our daily bread prayer is this. Jesus reveals 
the blessings that we already have. The blessings we already have. So, you know, I've, I've been praying this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And one of the things that God has shown me is that he has already provided it. My, you know, my full fridge, my full cabinet, my full freezer, all those kinds of things, my full belly. And so this, this asking, see, one of the things I sense God is saying, when you realize that, thank me. When you realize that, praise me, because I have been so very, very good to you. And so as you're praying into this and for this, pray it with a heart of gratitude, a heart of great thanksgiving. Pray it in the here and now, praising God, because you are already blessed if you have a full belly and a full fridge. If you know where your next meal is coming from, you are blessed. And one of the things this prayer, if you pray it earnestly and deeply, will cause you to realize is that because of the abundance that we have, it often erodes our awareness that it was provided by God. It will begin to erode that. Let let me say that a different way. Because God is so consistent in his giving grace, sometimes I don't see how good he truly is. I can prove that. How many of you, since you woke this morning, thank God for the air you've been sucking in? Or the heart that continues to beat? Or that when your feet hit the floor, you could stand up? See, our, our blessing often erodes our recognition of these things as being gifts from God because everything that we have is a gift from God. And his abundance and goodness and, and, and graciousness, because of that, if we're not careful, it will erode our ability to see him in all of his beauty. And so there are four areas of blessing awareness that I want to blow through really quickly to, to say, fight the erosion. Okay, fight the erosion. Here's the first one. Awareness will prevent blessings from becoming burdens. I know some of you are saying, how in the world can a blessing become a burden? I want to read you a little story that I heard in a message that Tony Campalo, a a great Baptist minister, brought. Um, And if I get choked up, I've read this thing a thousand times, but it still happens sometimes, so just... You know, I'm, forgive me. Here's the story. There was once a little boy named Mike. When he was just a toddler, he wanted a sandbox. And his mother said, that'll be good. But his father said, there goes the backyard. There'll be sand all over the place and it will kill the grass. His mother said, the grass will grow back. When Mike was five, he wanted a jungle gym that would enable him to climb into the sky and swings that would take his breath away. And his father said, if we put that in the backyard, every kid in the neighborhood will be over here. They'll run back and forth and back and forth, and it'll kill the grass. His mother said, the grass will grow back. Between breaths, as he was blowing up the plastic swimming pool the next summer, Mike's Mike's father said, you know what? They're going to condemn this place because it's going to become a mud pit, and it's going to kill the grass. What did the mom say? Grass will grow back. 
When Mike was 12, he volunteered his yard for the neighborhood campout. When the neighborhood boys were driving spikes into the ground and stomping around with their great big feet, Mike's father looked out the window and said, why don't I just save the trouble and put the grass seeds in a bowl? The grass is not going to grow back. The basketball hoop on the side of the garage drew a bigger crowd than the Summer Olympics. The barren spot under the hoop got larger and larger until it it encompassed the whole side yard. And just when it looked like as though the new grass was going to take root, winter came, the snow fell, and the sled runners beat the grass into the ground. And Mike's father said, Lord, I never asked for much, just a few crummy blades of grass. And Mike's mother smiled and said, the grass will grow back. Well, this year, the grass was beautiful. It rolled out like a carpet, like a green sponge along the driveway where bicycles once fell, out along the flower beds where little boys once dug with teaspoons. But Mike's father never saw the grass. Instead, his eyes looked beyond the yard. And he said with a catch in his voice, Dear God, he will come back. He, he will come back. My son will come back, won't he? Friends, do not let the abundance that you have steal the blessings that God has given you now. Be aware that blessings are not burdens. Be captured by the blessing of God right now. The second thing that happens when we're aware that he has blessed us is awareness, awareness will prevent us from falling into the comparison trap. It, it'll, it'll keep us from falling into this comparison trap if we are aware of our blessing. And, and let's just be honest again. Things like Pinterest and Instagram aren't helping us here. Just, just aren't helping us here. It becomes so easy to compare ourselves to what somebody else has. And and when we do that, it robs us of the joy of the blessings that we have because we start comparing. You know, but if we become aware of the fact that our Father has given us, has given me, has given you your race to run, your unique race to run, your one singular life God has given to you and God is blessing you with it and God has plans for that and so if you will be aware of that blessing in your life and you will run that one race that God has given you not only will blessings never become a burden but it will guard against you comparing yourself and being made sick by the comparison trap third thing that awareness prevents is complaining, complaining. This week I was having a conversation with one of our elders, Jim Roten, and Jim was reminding me of uh, some, some thoughts about God setting his people free from slavery in Egypt and the incredible blessing they left e- Egypt with. And it got me thinking about the story, and I love that story, so I went and, and I began reading about it again. And one of the things that happened is once they got out of Egypt and they were in the desert, God started miraculously feeding them with manna, bread from heaven. And you know what they started doing? Complaining. 
they started grumbling about a miracle. Close my mind. They were grumbling about this miracle of bread, fresh baked bread, every day, falling out of the sky, enough for them to eat all day on. And it happened the next day. And they started complaining to God and they started saying, God, I sure would like some meat. God, can I have a quail? And so God said, and I want, I want to read this to you. This is out of Numbers chapter 11. It's not going to come up on the screen. You can go look it up. But in Numbers chapter 11, verse 19, God says this. I'm going to give you quail. And it won't be for just a day or two or five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. Some translation says till it comes out your nostrils. That's what a lack of awareness of the blessing that God has already given you will do to you. You'll start comparing yourself, you'll start complaining, and you're going to gag on it. And it will destroy your soul. Fourth thing that awareness prevents, it prevents entitlement. Entitlement, this thinking that, well, I work for it, I deserve it. No. Every single thing that you have, no matter how small it is, it's just the grace of God. Just the grace of God. He's poured it out on you lavishly, and the most natural thing that flows from that is praise. Entitled hearts will never praise God. Never. Because they think they deserve it. They think it's owed to them. So should we continue to pray this prayer? Give us this day our daily bread? Absolutely. Because it'll make us aware of the blessings that we already have. And you'll have an awareness of God. And he'll be with you in that moment. And you will recognize him and you'll hear his voice. Because everything that you and I have is a gift from God. Every relationship we have. Last thing that I see the Lord doing in us, if we will pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is this, is Jesus will connect our souls to others in need. Last week, we took some moments to look kind of in depth at the capacity of this prayer that it would co-join us to Jesus himself, and it would also allow us to pray this prayer corporately together as God's people. And, you know, I've been practicing praying this prayer more intently over the last five weeks. And, you know, one of the things that it has convicted me of is how selfish my prayers have been for the most part in my life. I mostly pray about what I want. And, and God invites us to pray, uh, hear this prayer uh, as plural play, prayers. A plurality, you know, God himself exists that way as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we can't do, we can't pray this prayer often and pray this prayer as a model for our lives without it at some point coming along and bursting our egocentric bubbles. It, that's just going to happen. And when that happens, what will take place in our souls is it will lead us to greater solidarity with humanity. It'll, it'll lead us to an awareness and to a connection with, with, with other people. 
a connection to our neighbors who don't have enough, and it will naturally launch us into being part of the solution and answer to that prayer for somebody else. Give us this day our daily bread. We're going to want to help answer that. See, this is one of the ways you'll know that this prayer is permeating your life, and you're earnestly and sincerely praying it. See, because the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray ties us together, not not only meeting our individual needs, but so that we will be inclined to meet the needs of others in the name of Jesus. And we begin to get connected to the global faith community, which, which we're a part of. And it just works itself out in your lives and and it 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 gives your soul nourishment but it also gives your life mission and that's why some of you serve so passionately over at low country cares some of you give so generously to support that work of feeding the people in our community some of you are so connected to our third sunday ministry to the homeless and you give so passionately and you go and you serve Because you've prayed this, our Father, give us this day our daily bread. And and God's done that for you, and it's exploded in your heart to give your soul and life mission, the mission of God in this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Friends, imagine, just imagine, what would happen if this was true for all of us as we prayed this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And for those of us who have full bellies and full fridges, it'll, it shook our souls to the point where we were moved to mission, to step into caring for those around us who have, who have less. It would challenge us to be part of the solution, to be that answer of this prayer in the kingdom of God. And some of you are saying, well, how do you know that will happen? Because it's happened before. You go read Acts chapter 2. You look at that church when the, the Spirit of God got a hold of their hearts and they were thinking about a daily relationship with God in which God was meeting their every daily need. And they got connected to God. And they gave generously and sacrificially so that others might have from their blessing. God's done it once. God can do it again. If we will, as his people, embrace this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to ask our praise team to begin making their way to the stage right now. You know, for 2,000 years, the people of Jesus have been coming to the table of Jesus to remind ourselves that though we live by bread, as Jesus said in Luke 4, We do not live by earthly bread alone. We we don't. We come to the Lord's table to remind ourselves, God's people have for over 2,000 years, that the true bread, the genuine bread that that we need is Jesus himself. In John 6, 35, Jesus tells his followers, I am the bread of life. And Jesus is saying, if you want this, you've got to take me in. You've got to take me into your life. You've got to allow me to become part of you. You can't just associate with me. You've got to take me in. Take me in in a way that will transform you at the very core of who you are. That you will do that. And followers for Jesus for 2,000 years have been coming to his table to remember that. To remind ourselves 
that he's the true bread, that daily need that our heart longs for. He's the giver of all that we need. And so in these next moments, we're coming to that table. And we're coming bringing our longings to hear his voice, to experience his touch, to to know that he sees the needs that we have this day. And as our worship team leads us to the table, I want to ask you to worship him. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do now. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pull out your elements. And there's this little tab on the end. I'm just going to ask you to flick it down. It'll just make it easier to open, trust me. Just kind of flick that down. And I want you to pull back the top layer. Just go ahead and pull that top layer back. And I want you to hold on to that little wafer. It represents the bread that we're going to talk about in just, uh, just a moment. This bread, Jesus said in John 6, 51, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this, if anyone takes Jesus in in this way that this symbolizes, he will have eternal life. He'll, he'll live forever. It's the promise of Jesus. So I want us to pray together right now. And then our worship team's going to lead us in a moment of just worship. And you receive from the Lord what you need to stay in that worship as you go to him sincerely asking Jesus, give us, give me this day what I need this day. Pray with me. Jesus, we come as your people. We come to worship you now. We come confessing our great need for you, Lord. We need you in this present moment. We need you to guard our hearts and guide and direct us. We need you, Jesus. Each of us showed up here today, this day, with a need for you. And maybe you're here today and that need is to to do like Savannah did several months back and realize I need a Savior. I need the bread of life to, to fill me because my life is empty. And you can, as our team is singing, you can just pray that prayer. Jesus, will you be bread of life for me? Will you come and fill me? Jesus, I repent. I turn away from trying to feed myself in this life on the things of this world. Jesus, I need you. Jesus will come and fill you and give you life in him everlasting. He's the bread of life. Jesus, we come in this moment now to worship you, to receive you. We invite you into our lives in a new and fresh way this day, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Will you receive this song as a gift? Will you let it will you let it speak to your heart and lead you to pray and seek the Lord now? Yeah.
night before he would be crucified. The Bible tells us that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he, he blessed it and he said, this is my body. It is broken for you. Take and eat. Receive all of it. And if you'll go ahead and open the layer on the cup. The Bible tells us that after the bread, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant. Jesus was replacing the Old Testament covenant in law with a New Testament covenant of grace. And he said that he was doing this in his blood. And he told us that as often as we drink it, to do it and remember him. Drink all of it. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me. We're going to end our service a little differently than we normally do. We're going to end it just with a moment of prayer, and then we're going to go. Let's pray. Father, we, we come. We come confessing that we are in, we're your people, and this day, we desperately need you. We need you, God, so that we are not overcome by the incredible abundance of your blessing so that it erodes something in our souls, but instead we would be aware, people aware of your great blessing. And we would recognize, God, that it's for this moment, this, this now, that we can be with you and you want to be with us. And God, that as we step into those realities that our souls will be so reshaped that as we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, our souls themselves will be reformed and, and reshaped into the life of Jesus. And we not only will be asking, but we will be on mission with you, Jesus, declaring that you are the bread of life. And so I pray for you now. I do pray that your fridges will be filled and that your bellies will be filled, but I pray that your souls will be filled of the knowledge of the God of all creation and his son Jesus, the sustaining bread of life. Go in his name. Live out of his grace and change the world. God bless you, and I hope to see you soon.